Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name is Daniel. I'll be your host. Today, we talk about the Enneagram, fasting, and should Christians take any kind of personality test whatsoever? Find out that and so much more on today's episode. Remember, our goal in this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together, we can be a little better. All right, gentlemen. So here's the question. What's your favorite type of personality test? Or Enneagram. Enneagram. What's your Enneagram number? Seven. Seven. That's not a surprise. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted, I think I wanted it to be a four. I wanted it to be a four. <laughs> I thought it was because it was like this artist, yes. this martyr, this poetic. I can see you as that. You're very, I know. Uh, I you're thought, very artsy. But then when what did I, you say you are? Then when I, seven. seven. And then when I read the, the chapter on seven, yes. I was like, Dink, that is yeah. me, and it's it's so shallow. <laughs> Jason, what about you? What's your favorite? Uh, My favorite one is no personality oh, test. Uh, I refuse. You to don't be have a personality. Labeled. Yes, <laughs> I have no. I, I think when it comes to like the enneagram, I'm like a one or a six. I still haven't mm. been able to figure out which one I am. I'm gotcha. a perfectionist, um, but I'm also very uh, analytical. So mm. I, but I don't want to be put in shoes. So I basically would say. Every personality test is trying to type you, and that, yeah. can be really typed because we're all That's, so different, even though we might have similar things about us. That's that would good. be another interesting podcast, yeah. just talking about personality, <laughs> personality tests. Yeah. So my, my favorite is, I love the Enneagram. Enneagram was so helpful for me, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later in the next question. But uh, I'm going to give a random one. It's... I don't know if most people have heard of this, the working genius assessment. It's a type of personality test. Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a year or two old, yeah, it's right? It's pretty old, new. But it basically, it talks, your test is all about what kind of work do you enjoy doing? Right. And it was so enlightening for me because it was like, oh, that's why there's seasons of church work that I like just power through, get this done. And then there's other seasons where like, oh, I love everything I'm doing. And I go through these like ebbs and flows of the type of work. But it was just so cool and fun. And he's he's a book Christian. So yeah. on their podcast, they even talk about nuancing it for yeah. pastors and Christian leaders. It was Christian? really cool. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I mean, he's Catholic. He hangs out with a lot. Okay. Yeah, he's Catholic. Sure. He, he's okay. a, a practicing Catholic, I think, okay. is basically what Patrick We can get all controversial. <laughs> yeah. Now we're getting a little... But <laughs> so, he's part of the Christendom. So. Yeah. So, so that working it, genius, it, it sounds very made up to me. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, did. he I, talks I've about only, making it up. I only he heard him up. interviewed about it, but I'm just like, dude, that just feels so made up. He said he made it up like in a couple minutes. I, d- I did find it helpful. I was like, oh, yeah, I can see that. That's definitely true about myself. Uh-huh. But I still will not be labeled. Right, so, Jason, here's your question in light of you preaching the sermon this past weekend. Should Christians even take personality tests? I think they can be helpful. I think it's uh, good to notice trends. I think it, it you know comes to the same thing with like psychology. You know, labels can be helpful to identify patterns in your life and issues that you need to work through and to see how other people have responded and to have, I guess, uniform thinking or careful mm-hmm. thinking about how to address different ways that we have habits and ways we act. Yeah, because the heart behind every personality assessment is being self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to be self-aware. We have to know what what right. is our vice. You know, that's a very Christianese word of like what sinful habits and patterns. And we want to know those things so that we don't fall prey to temptation and and just fall into those bad 
cycles of habits in that regard. Obviously, knowing that most, if not all, personality assessments are not biblically rooted, right? Mm-hmm. But they can be helpful. Um, for, some claim for, to be without some, yeah, some claim that, that's we're getting in like really controversial. Like the spiritual yeah. gift assessment. What was Tim LaHaye's whole one? I guess one. you could say <laughs> that. Remember the t- the spirit filled temperament, Tim oh, LaHaye, way way back. I have that back. book. I think it's from uh, like my dad's library, and there's some the, pretty cool like '70s really graphics can. in it. But. Pretty cool '70s graphics. <laughs> no one's ever said that sentence before. It's, it's baptized, but not Christian. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, and so they can be helpful, but they can't replace your like walk with Jesus or becoming more like him. Like mm-hmm. I've heard, you know, there's the disc assessment, which is D I S C. Right. Uh-huh. So we, we have a lot, we use that a lot at Northridge and we jokingly, I've heard somebody joke, like the closer you are to the centers, the closer you are to Jesus. You know, <laughs> if you're, if you're sitting all the way out on the edge of the circle, you're like, you're the least like Jesus, which that's really close for my that God. Is. Me. And so, <laughs> so the closer you are to the center, the closer you are like Jesus, because ultimately the goal is, is looking more like him. I, I love the Enneagram because it's all motivation focused. It's mm-hmm. all it's not necessarily like what you do, but why you do what you do, which gets us to your sermon. So Jason, yeah. Jason, you gave us a sermon this past weekend. What's your sermon in 60 seconds? Yeah, we are preaching from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 18, uh, verse 1 of the passage basically summarizes it best, but Jesus says, don't practice your righteousness to be seen by others. You know, if you do, that's the reward you'll get. Uh, you'll get praise from them, but practice your righteousness uh, to be seen by God. And so do what you do in secret. And he walks through basically three areas of, way, of ways we practice our faith through giving to the needy, through prayer, and through fasting. Yeah. Which one are you the best at? <laughs> uh, time to shine. Time to shine. None of them. Uh, yeah. You accomplish your sermon well. I'm I'm least bad at praying, and I've got a lot of work to to go uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's not, Brad, what about you? <laughs> I am least bad at. Well, I sir, I am horrible at fasting, obviously, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Prayer, giving to the poor. I, I just, I have so much room to grow in all three of those. I mean, I do, you know, I have grown. Karen's a great partner and just sensitivity to others. Um, but uh, I, I'm reluctant to say I strive at any of them. So yeah. you say you're not good at uh, fasting, obviously. Well, maybe you are good at fasting because the passage says that you don't want to obscure yourself to make it look like you're fasting. Hey. So you're so good at it, we can't even tell. Deep <laughs> undercover. That's what it is. Jason, I loved your you bring out in this kind of a large chunk of text. We were talking about how a lot of times this is easily chopped up. Oh, let's talk about our motivation. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about giving. Let's talk about fat. Like this is four sermons that you packaged all together, but you did a really good job at, at pointing out the connectivity of just the language that Jesus mm-hmm. uses about our motivations. Why, why does God care so much about why we do what we do? Why can't we just do good and it not matter why we do it? Like, why doesn't God just want us to give to the needy just so we can get a good tax deduction? Why doesn't God care that we, you know, pray? Like, why, why does God care? It seems like more about why we do what we do than less about what we're actually doing. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes kind of back to the heart of the passage. Is our faith about God, about knowing God, pleasing God, or is it mm-hmm. about ourselves? So, 
I think if we're truly walking in step with God, with our goal of our life being to give him glory, then um, we're naturally going to do those things, but it's not about about doing those things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think the... Um, yeah, so it... <sighs> We, it's this idea of approval, right? And they're like, we're either seeking God's approval or seeking men's approval and how it's, how it's obtained, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just exhausting, right, to earn other people's approval. And it's impossible mm-hmm. to earn God's approval. So it's not about earning it, but, you know, finding it, accepting it. I don't know. It's, uh, but that motivation, if, if, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're coming out of a lack, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I don't have the approval. I feel inferior. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've got to fill it somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's what fuels the hypocrisy. Yeah. But, um, but to come from a place of just knowing, you know, confident mm-hmm. of God's approval. Yeah. Uh, God's approval, not men's approval. I mean, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about building God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. But I think he's, he's trying to help us focus on his kingdom because we're just naturally bent toward living for our own kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so at the top of our kingdom, we would always be king. So we're always thinking about <laughs> our people treating me as if I am uh-huh. the king, even mm-hmm. if we're not recognizing that. I think, how, what do I not do that I'm not thinking about? How are other people perceiving me in this yeah. moment? Even on this podcast, as yeah. I speak right now. <laughs> I, loved, I love that in your sermon, by the way, just that transparency of the self-consciousness, even as you preach, right? Mm-hmm. Such a challenge yeah. to do it in a way that pleases God without these dangers cropping yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. And so that leads me to the question, like, if this motivation, there, there's this language in the passage about, you know, your father in heaven honors what you do in secret. Mm -hmm. So is religion or our relationship with Jesus, it's a private matter. You know, you keep your nose out of my business. I'll keep my nose out of your business, um, which seems to have crept in to not only other faiths, but also Christianity. Like, I think there was a, a stat given by Barna Christian Research Group that I think it was like over 50% of practicing Christians who are millennial or Gen Z think it's morally wrong to mm-hmm. share your faith. Mm-hmm. So that would that would line up, right? Hey, it's a secret matter. Yeah. So I'm going to keep my faith secret, you keep your faith secret. Let's keep, you know, business and pleasure yeah. separated. So so is our faith supposed to be secret? Yeah, I mean, I think that comes out of even like our belief about the separation of church and state. So that's kind of how we've gotten to this place in our society that uh, for, at least when it comes to faith, we don't want to push our faith on others. Um, And probably some of that's become because of Christians um, or other faiths abusing their faith. You know, Mm -hmm. instead of, hey, I'm going to winsomely try to persuade you to believe what is true, I'm going to say, no, you have to believe what I uh, is true. Otherwise, you know, we're going to take your life or, you know, we're going to persecute you for not believing the same thing uh, that we do. So mm-hmm. I think we've responded that way because of some of the sinful patterns of Christians and, and other faiths. Uh, but that doesn't mean that our faith should be private. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you made the call back to, was it 516? Yep. It's the passage I preach, which is let your yeah. good deeds be seen by others yeah. so yeah. God will be glorified. Yeah. I, I heard uh, a sermon. I was actually listening to it this past weekend um, after Nate Miller's sermon. So I guess it was two weekends ago. Um, but he was he was talking about like professing your faith. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and from Romans 10, you know, 9 says mm-hmm. it's a belief in our heart, but it's a public confession with our mouth, right? Mm-hmm. And he made this parallel about relationship to uh, being married, right? Um, we wouldn't ask somebody like, oh, are you married? And seeing their wedding band, like, oh, that's none of your business. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, no, we're like yeah. proud of our spouse. So at least we ho- hope, like, let me, let me tell right. you about how awesome my wife is or how awesome my husband is, you mm-hmm. know, like in that regard. We're proud mm-hmm. about that relationship. Why do we so often equate Jesus like, oh, that's not your business. Like, don't you, you keep your faith to yourself. I'll keep my faith yeah. to myself. So if we are, you answer the question and Brad, like all of us, like, okay, no, our faith is not supposed to be just a privatized matter. So help us understand, are we supposed to, you know, take charge of social media, just like let's blast them with Bible verses every day? Or is that helpful? What are helpful public engagements of our faith and unhelpful yeah. public engagements with our faith? Yeah, I feel like there's a tension um, that if we don't have an active faith or we're not really seeking God, then we're not going to talk about it at all. So many of us struggle with the fact that we just don't talk about our faith because in reality, God doesn't have that much of our heart. We talk mm-hmm. about the things that we mm-hmm. love most. But hopefully, if we are you know, falling more deeply in love with Jesus... Similar to the other things that we love, we will naturally talk about them. And when we do talk about something we love, I think we can talk about it in a winsome way. Um, mm-hmm. I think we can also, a danger is that our faith turns intellectual, and I think this is a danger that I, I struggle <laughs> with, um, is that I think this is the right belief. And I've got the right um, theology, I have the right understanding of our world, I know the true God as he's revealed himself to me in the Bible, and so... I can focus more on telling the world about what is right and mm. talking about how their faith is wrong, and that's also not a helpful uh, mentality. So those are some dangers. That doesn't exactly answer your question. I don't know, Brad, if you want to jump in from there. You know, I mean, it, it will cycle back to motivation, right? I think people can smell when someone is showing off or trying to impress versus someone's just helpful, you know, humbly saying, I'm just you know, another beggar, you know, seeking bread, you know, I, I've, you know, God has been merciful to me. And uh, this is the way I express my, my gratitude, never be able to repay him. Um, I think that's why it's always so much more powerful to have a witness from a place of disenfranchisement, right? Mm -hmm. The, The early Christians, you know, they I mean, there was nothing to be gained. I mm. mean, the Pharisees, they were working the system for their own gain. Yeah. But for these Christians, there was nothing to be gained with going public with their faith. It might cost yeah. them yeah. their lives or fortunes, that. everything. Today, you know, we live in a country which, I mean, nearly every president of the United States, you know, has been a professing Protestant Christian. There's only a couple exceptions. A couple of Catholics have slipped mm-hmm. in. I mean, it's, we live in a country where mm. it, it, it gets you, gives you cred to show yourself to be a good Christian. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that confuses the motivations, I think, makes it hard to be authentic. Yeah. So let's, let's ask this question to try to get you know, some application in this regard of what are some private matters that will help motivate us in the right way to go public with our faith? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to jump back into our conversation we were just having, then maybe we can dive into that. Yeah. You know, I think, and I brought this up in my message, I think one of the difficulties uh, with social media is we want, we want to be known, we want to be liked, we want to share our lives with other people, 
But just being on social media itself is a challenge to not make it about how people perceive you. And if you want to be a devoted follower of Jesus, um, it can be a challenge to even convey our faith uh, without ever having any ill motivations that we are making it about how people perceive um, our love for God, our devotion toward God. Um, and social media is not the only way that we can do uh, practice our faith to be seen by others, but I think that's one way that it's most easy to be like, hey, look at me, look at what a good Christian I am. Here's my yeah. I, I, Instagram I, shot with my mug and my Bible open, <laughs> and I've got this time with God right I, here. I, I think part of it is is like uh, I don't want to bash social media in general, but it almost Go ahead. for Christians <laughs> like in that regard. Our producer Taylor, like her job is posting our church social media, so she, I don't, I don't want to like look at her right now. So, uh, but, Suddenly our microphones no longer work. Why did we just get muted? Just kidding. Uh, but like social media almost is the, the one way for Christians that we like, oh, well, I'll just post a Bible verse on social media and that is me being a witness. When, when really reality is the reason hopefully that people post social media in good motivation, uh, let's talk about the good that's in social media, is they mm-hmm. want people that they're actually already in relationship with to see their life, right? Mm-hmm. Like most people don't, right. you know, the good side of social media is like, hey, I want my family to see this new picture of my kids or my friends. I want mm-hmm. them to see like yeah. when, when I have good, pure hearted motivation. And so when it gets tainted is like, oh, I want to get, 15 more followers or 1500 more followers and I want them to know how good of a Christian yeah. I am and so the heart taking that good motivation to us now is like okay how are the people that you're already doing relationship with how can you influence them and do good you know let the the mm-hmm. father be yeah. pleased and honored before your good works before those people it's not necessarily before the hundreds. I remember when yeah. I was a student pastor talking about like share the gospel. I'm not talking about with your entire school. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about the friend you sit at, sit at lunch with. Like yeah. like I'm just talking about like that one person in your mind of mm-hmm. like how can God be honored in how you as you've used the word twice already yeah. in this conversation winsomely live before yeah. that person. Yeah. Uh, it's not about the thousands and thousands on social media. It's about the yeah. neighbor across the street. How can you winsomely live before them? Yeah. I mean, I think I feel like ultimately the way we practice our faith and our heart motivation is seen most clearly in the people that we're in relationship with. Yeah. So it's one thing for us to be posting things online about what we're reading or what we mm-hmm. think is important, but then the people around us would be like, oh, "That's interesting. He he keeps posting about all <laughs> these ways that we should be following Jesus." Or but cuss me out about uh, me but, mowing but, a strip <laughs> in his lawn. Like it's like, my <laughs> wife would be like, "I don't." you're applying what you just posted or what you said or what you said in your sermon, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it happens without trying to tell other people about it, but just simply following God obediently, Yeah. uh, which, you know, we all struggle with and we need to confess our sins and ask other people for forgiveness when we sin against them. But So let's talk about the one thing that all of us struggle at most probably in the West doing, fasting. (laughs) The one way of like following God that seems to be clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament that it was not just like, hey, whenever you want to, but a regular practice, a for a lot of Christians, a weekly practice Mm -hmm. uh, until more recent days. Um, So let's start with what is it? You know, because currently 
in our Western culture or in Christianity, there's been more conversation around different types of fasting. So yeah. I'm going to start with this. Is Are there different types of fasting? When I say types, I mean like, oh, there's a food fast, social media fast. I'm going to fast from watching Netflix. I'm going to fast mm-hmm. from sex. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. fast from fill in the blank. Can we do those things? Like, are those yeah. actual biblical fasts? Yeah, so uh, the, the number one reason why I even chose this passage, and I, I think I mentioned this on Sunday, um, is... I knew I am horrible at fasting, and I wanted to become better about it. So I thought if I preach about it, if I study about it, um, it's going to force me to not be a hypocrite. And Run towards your conviction. Do, do, <laughs> do some fasting and learn about fasting. Um, yeah, some of the things that, that stuck out to me was that um, we often in sermons talk about, hey, let's not just fast from food. Maybe maybe you choose to fast from social media or fast from chocolate or whatever the thing that you struggle with is, um, I think, biblically speaking, that's never referred to as a fast. So, Mm. you know, culturally, we talk about it as a fast. And so you could say, I guess, culturally defined, you know, that is a fast. But Mm -hmm. I mean, there's whole diets, right? Like the Daniel diet or the Daniel plan. Well, that's not even what I'm thinking of. What's the Intermittent fasting, yeah. Intermittent fasting. Well, a lot of those are about our health. You know, we want to be more healthy, which can be to please God. It could also right. be because I want to look good <laughs> on social media, or just when people <laughs> see me uh, in person. Um, but yeah, biblically speaking, those aren't fast. Those are just abstaining. Which abstaining from some of those things can help us to learn some self-discipline and to mm-hmm. seek God more than pleasure mm-hmm. from those things, find our, our pleasure in God. But biblically speaking, fasting is abstaining from food, and the reason is so that we can get more of God. So mm-hmm. one of the authors talked about, you know, fasting isn't really about uh, abstaining or, or, or not getting something. It's, it's about getting, and what it's about getting is getting more of God. Mm. Right. That's good. So there's not, what would you define all those other categories then? If they're not biblical fasts, what are they? Yeah, I mean, I think abstaining was the abstaining, one Abstaining, um, and they often show up maybe in lists of spiritual disciplines, right? The, yeah. There's very d- disciplines of silence or other things. There's other, th- other way, there's self-denials, yeah. right, mm-hmm. um, that are, can be healthy exercises. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime I'm trying to look at what I love most, a lot of those things come to the top of the list, and I, I recognize, man... In this moment, when I am bored, or when this moment, when mm. I'm tired, like I am looking for something to please me in the moment, and okay. so I often go to those things. And so, by abstaining for those, we we train ourselves to be like, okay, no, where am I going to? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go to God, which is very similar to fasting. Just biblically yeah. speaking, when fasting is talked about, it's kind of the same idea, but it's abstaining yeah. from food. And I think a danger is. We, we just don't fast much, you know, at least in Protestant Christianity. It's not been uh, super popular in Western society. And so we can easily be like, yeah, I'm going to fast from social media because I recognize that's a struggle. But we don't do what we see in Scripture most is a scriptural fast. And I think that has an even stronger hold on our body, what we eat, than even some of those other things that we might struggle with. Yeah, I've heard one author say that when you have an issue of appetite, you should meet it with a spiritual discipline of appetite. So they paralleled like lust or gluttony or whatever the case would be with fasting. Like, hey, you should address whatever your spiritual sin is and what category of motivation that falls in with the same spiritual discipline that falls in the 
polar opposite mm-hmm. motivation, which is appetite. So yeah. that would be just connective tissue on that regard. So, you, so if it, if biblical fasting is food, it, yeah. it traditionally has been seen of as a twenty four hour. Yeah. Right. That that's traditionally how it's been. Hours, 12 right, to right. twenty four yeah. hour fast. So it's not this ridiculous mm-hmm. like. Well, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 <laughs> nights. That's what should be yeah. on our radar. So for someone that's looking to practice a fast, uh, it's it's food, it's 12 or 24 hours. What are some other yeah. tips that you would give them if they're going to practice? Or what have, what have you done in this regard? <laughs> yeah, so I, one of the biggest reasons why I've struggled with fasting is because I get headaches a lot, and mm. I think a lot of it's tied to my diet. I like sugar. I like caffeine. <laughs> So I find that, man, if I've gone like four or five hours and I don't have something else, then I get a headache. And so I've been like, I just don't think I can fast because mm-hmm. my body's just going to have a headache. And instead of like enjoying this time with God, I'm just going to have a pounding headache. And, and so I w- wouldn't have fasted uh, for that reason. Um, but it wasn't, in, I, I think I mentioned this as well, it wasn't until a couple of months ago I had to get a colonoscopy. And uh, <laughs> so you have a forced 24-hour fast before that. And some you were quite transparent. Wow. <laughs> uh, I had to, you know, not eat for 24 hours. I'm like, how is this going to go? I just drank a lot of water. And I was fine, you know. So I'm like, okay, my body can make it. But I, if your body has not been used to not eating, you know, you don't, there's no biblical pre- prescription for how long you need to fast or you know, how much food you abstain from. Um, so I think just start small. It could mm. be a day. It could be a meal. It could be a couple meals. Um, mm. But start there. Some people would say, like, there are some uh, fasts where you abstain from meat, but you would still eat other types of foods. So mm-hmm. I feel like just start small, start somewhere, and then build from there. Um, in my, you know, a short practice of it, I have found like 24 hours isn't too difficult as long as I still mm. stay well hydrated. So, some fasting would include fasting from water and food. The majority of time, it's mostly just food. Uh, eventually, right. you're going to need some water. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So what's our one minute as we wrap up? One minute, other tip, uh, Brad or Jason, either to add on to maybe why someone would want to practice a fast or how this would help. Just in this conversation about motivation, how would this you would encourage someone if they're really looking to, hey, I want to honor God. I don't want to honor people with my life. How does fasting help or just one other tip um, as they're seeking to follow Jesus? In, in yeah, so, I mean, it, this whole theme of secrecy, you know, with it, because we are we are so inclined to grab onto that motivation of what others see. So to truly do it secret and not to share it, share it with others. But I know from my own experience of, you know, I... I am reminded and challenged again that I used to do it with more frequency. It's been a long time, really, since I've uh, fasted. But um, for me, it's it's there's sad times. There's sad times because I am just reminded of how dependent I am on food, how I almost idolatrous relationship with it, yeah, and, and and pleasure and the rest, and how little I feed on God. You know, um, how little. Um, you know, he, so it's often it's often a, a humbling and a sad experience, but a good experience. I think we need to, I need to be humbled by these practices. Yeah, I would say for me, it's a few things like I need to, you know, from your sermon, practice fasting more. I, mm-hmm. I was actually on a rather regular rhythm in college the first of every month. Like I just took a challenge from my spiritual disciplines professor, mm-hmm. do the first of every month and fast for 
your future spouse and family. And that's mm-hmm. what, you know, it's 24 hours mm-hmm. uh, that I did uh, every first of the month, I think almost for three years in college, that was a normal practice in my, in my life. And, you know, returning back to more of that normal rhythm of fasting intentionally, because it's so easy, like you said, Brad, and others, you, you said as well, Jason, this conversation, being in America and the West of like, what what else do I need? I don't need, I have everything I need. Even, you know, if I'm kind of in the bottom of the totem pole financially, like I'm still like, I've never feared for hunger. I mean, there are people mm-hmm. in our country who do yeah. and they are in extreme poverty, but for the majority, like I've never like wondered in that mm-hmm. regard. Like even if I'm like $10 in my bank account, okay, I can go get a meal for 10 bucks, you know, like mm-hmm. in that regard. And so reminding myself of how much I am dependent on God for more than just like, you know, a spiritual need, but mm-hmm. for all of my needs, I am dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would push people to read. I think we talked about this even Isaiah 58 is, yeah. you know, longest passage in scripture on the right kind of fasting yep. that God honors. Um, and I would recommend reading that and put something in your life. Even if it's just yep. 12 hours, once a month, um, first of every month, 10th of every month, whatever yeah. works for you, um, do it, you know, because Jesus doesn't say if, he says when. Yeah, so. yeah I read a book uh, years ago when I was in seminary called The Hunger for God um, by John Piper, and that was really all about fasting, and the reason behind fasting is ultimately that we would desire more of God. Um, I think in, in addition to that, um, I was listening to a sermon by John Mark Homer in... Um, preparing for this, and he talked about how when we have uh, sinful habits in our life, one of the greatest practices to end up overcoming some of those sinful habits is to to practice fasting. Um, when we practice fasting, it has an, an ability to, I think when we do that, we recognize how tied all of our desires are to each other, you know, mm-hmm. and when you fast, you find yourself Uh, to struggle less with lust in so many other areas. So I think just beginning uh, with that practice of fasting, it might start small, you know, maybe one meal or a meal a day. But Mm -hmm. in doing that, you learn to hunger more for God, and you can break some of the power that sin has in your life. Awesome. Well, all those resources will be linked in the show notes below. Thanks so much for checking out this week's episode.